So if you want to hear more of our podcast, please click on jamesandsana.com and you can hear our previous episodes. And please subscribe because James has some good word of wisdoms every morning to share with you guys through that email that comes into your inbox. Okay, sweetness, it is a new year. We officially have 2020 vision. Nothing behind me. Huh? Nothing behind me. Well, you have the air conditioner behind you. You said 2020 is behind us. It's figurative, honey. It's not literal. I'm really factual. Okay, well, you can start taking this podcast seriously anytime. I'd really appreciate it. I'm serious. Yeah. If you were to start taking this podcast seriously, that'd be great. Pilot Sugar Cube, <clears throat> I need your help. He's too busy. In the spirit of somewhat beginning afresh, uh, a new year always puts us in a mindset of um, kind of a, it's a bit of a rebirth. It's not like we're being born again or anything like that, but we're, it, we're always thinking about doing things a little bit differently, or maybe we can have a, a fresh start on something. Honey, I feel so fresh. I feel like I am a newborn baby. Really? Yes. Wait a second. I just pooped. I need to change my pampers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, the hopes of this podcast being the one that turns that we actually take it seriously are slowly dissipating. The hopes that we actually share something of value in this episode it's uh, it's uh, falling by the wayside. To talk about a bit of a new beginnings or in the spirit of a new year and thinking about doing things differently, we're going to talk about or discuss an article that was shared with me by a friend of mine. It's called 100 Tips for a Better Life. And this is from a website called lesswrong.com. Um, we're not going to go through all 100, obviously, but we are going to go through a couple. So I've shared it with Sana, and I'm looking at it now, and we're just going to scroll through it, and once something pops out to us, then we're going to discuss it. Okay? Honey, before we start, yes. can I go to Google and search for morewrong.com you want to try morewrong.com yeah go for it no more wrong not moron (laughs) Gabriel thought we said moron (laughs) no it's more wrong (laughs) ng.com let me ask you something honey have you ever had a job that you took and immediately like the first day of the job you're like I'm not in the right place. Have you ever had that happen? Mm-hmm, yeah. What job was that? Um, I was um, I was recruited as an international contract and online sales manager. Okay. And um, but the the scope of the job that was I was put in was totally different from my title and. Mm-hmm. Um, Whatever they were telling me, I mean, the standard of procedure or whatever was written on the paper, 
So basically they got me in and they wanted me to do everything. <laughs> I was I was told to be there to build the website for a travel agent, um, create an e-commerce for um, their, basically uh, one of the airlines that they were, uh, GSA, mm-hmm. that was Kingfisher Indian Airline. And um, yeah, I had experience because I was e-commerce manager before, so... Uh, I knew how to do that. I knew how to create the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I don't write HTML, but um, I had some positive, you know, um, well, not positive, like I had very good um, result on creating uh, e-commerce platform right. for hospitality and tourism. Right. Uh, but then <laughs> when I went, when I started my first day and second day the next month, I felt like, they, they wanted me to do something else. Mm-hmm. It was not something that they asked me to do. Mm. So I was quite disappointed and I have to leave. Oh, okay. Was this at a university? <clears throat> no, I was working for a um, company called um, Success Groups. Oh, okay. In Thailand. In Thailand. Oh, okay. So this is a long, mm. long time ago. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah. When did you leave? I was probably 24 or 25 years old. When did you leave Thailand? Mm, you know, I was on and off because Thailand is like my second home. Actually, I should say my first home because uh, most of my life I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I used to travel a lot because I had different type of uh, work that I have to uh, communicate or attend seminars or meetings um, in other countries, so in a month I could fly off two, three times and come back. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had jobs that I started, and I was just like, um, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> All right, I think there. I was just thinking about an interview that I had. Uh, this is a f- probably maybe four years ago. I had I was just beginning my online business and I was you know not making enough money to support our, our family at the time with what I was doing and I was, so I was looking for jobs and I had this some some interview somewhere and uh, it was um, I, I it, it the the ad was very ambiguous as to what the actual job was it was just like marketing or something something weird like that and I wasn't I was in a place where I didn't want like a full, like an like a quote real job. I just wanted something that I could make some money and then build my business, have adequate time to build my business. And so I get into this interview, and the guy he's kind of describing it, but not really describing it. And then finally, he gets to the meat and potatoes of what the job is. The job is to um, go to nursing homes or places where a bunch of old people are going to be around and then sell cell phone plans to them for free or like give them free cell phone plans and using Medicaid or something. I just remember (laughs) he describes the job and my, my face was just like, really? That's it. (laughs) So it was interesting. So I didn't, the job was not offered to me. I think my body language uh, turned off the the person saying uh, this this is not the right 
person for this gig, and I most definitely wasn't. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've uh, scanned through these this list of, what is it, tips for a better life. And I'm going to start with number 18. Keep your desk and workspace bare. Treat every object as an imposition upon your attention because it is. A workspace is not a place for storing things. It's a place for accomplishing things. What do you think of that one? I think a lot of people, when they get a job uh, that they like, sometimes they're so overwhelmed and they really get caught up by the environment and uh, maybe a private office that (laughs) that was given to them. So they actually become lazy. (laughs) Instead of starting full force and show their ability and how they're going to contribute to the organization and solve um, some of their unsolved puzzles. Um, Mainly it's about profitability. Um, They basically, they caught up in a moment and they are so proud of themselves that they accomplished (laughs) something, but um, they lose the, you know, the string and, uh, they kind of, you know, lost. They don't know what to do. So I think uh, that's what it means. It means um, if you uh, go for, like you said, for a, you went for a job interview and you, you we were turned down. I mean, if you pass the interview and you go into the work, you have to bring in also something of value. You cannot just store it into your brain, into your own um, um, stockpile. <laughs> You have to also contribute something to show that you're worthy, you are valuable to the organization. What does that have to do with a clean workspace? (laughs) 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 I'm not saying what you said has no merit, but it has nothing to do with the workspace, which was... Yeah, I mean, this, this, whatever you just said, it doesn't have anything to do with the organization or whatever. I just said it because we were talking about, talking about, you asked me about the job and organization, so I linked it to that. Okay, I see. Okay. This is basically talking about our life. So basically, it's my fault, is yeah. what you're saying. As Got usual. it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, but this sentence is basically more about our life. All right, here's one. Here's one that will, that will stimulate some interesting dialogue and perhaps finally share something of value for our listeners. <laughs> this is number 43. Deficiencies do not make you special. The older you get, the more your inability to cook will be a red flag for people. And it could be like cooking. It could be just basic life skills. Like if you, uh, I think the point is if you if you don't take the time to learn things like how to cook, just and you don't have to be a a sous vide chef or anything. You just you just have to be uh, competent in the kitchen. Like I don't I don't like cooking, but I know how to cook, and it's not my strong suit in life. But I can support myself with my cooking abilities and buying a few ingredients and um, a few spices at Walmart. You want some kettle corn? Go for it. You have to open the box, though. I think this basically means your whole life you're experiencing and you have to learn from that experience. You can't just um, do the same mistake again and again then what is the difference between you and a person 
who you give cactus to it and by them themselves they put it on a chair and sit on it don't be that person i think when the when you get older all these experiences have to become a good lesson or uh, become some sort of a step towards your success so if you are not able to process um, your inabilities or deficiencies in the past to become something more um, productive or more what you call like a leverage towards your goal, then that's a big red flag. That means you are not able to think, rationalize, and you're not able to give a quick respond to the circumstances. Right. Well, I, I think I've known people who um, they have some sort of some some sort of character flaw, and they and they just think it's a badge of honor, and they just they just laugh it off. Like people who are chronically late. I mean, it's it's one thing to be running ten ten minutes behind for an appointment, and it's quite another thing to be always every single time you're ten minutes late, fifteen minutes late. Um, and then, and then the attitude that these people have, they just kind of laugh it off. They're like, yeah, that's just who I am. You just have to love me. And, and it's just a very immature mindset. Um, it doesn't like, like this thing said, you're not special because you're late. You're just late. And you're actually a little bit, actually, you're very disrespectful to other people's time. Because time is the most precious thing we have. It's more precious than money. People often ask me, how do you get paid uh, with a podcast? Well, you get paid by people taking time to listen. That's that's the most valuable thing that people can share is their time. So 10 minutes listening to our podcast, that's that's why, you know, enough when, when enough people share 10 minutes of their time listening to us, that's when we can um, solicit sponsorships, if we choose to go that route. When it's when it's time to to make those decisions, that's how you get paid is with time, and time equals money. Be it ads or whatever products that we might sell. So if you didn't get all that, get this: don't be late. <laughs> Quit being late. Do you know anybody that's always late, son? <laughs> All right. Your turn, honey. What's one of these that mm. sticks out to you? All right, here's one. Number 57, speaking of red. Wow. Well, you're taking too long. <laughs> it's just like 10 We're seconds. We're being disrespectful of people's time. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, if you have one that you want to talk about, let's do it. Go ahead. All right, speaking of red flags, number 57. There are two red flags to avoid almost all dangerous people. The perpetually aggrieved and the angry. Yeah, I agree. Oh, that's good. Well, that's a stimulating <laughs> discussion. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why I should always start first? You know what? I agree with this sentence, but I think it's it makes sense. But personally, I disagree. Okay. 
when I say personally, I, how I look at this. Uh, in general, I think it's agreeable by many people. Okay. So where I say generally I agree means the sentence makes sense to put a red flag on those people who are always angry or aggrieved. But I am the kind of person that I always want to see the root cause of that issue because hmm. we are in 2021 and um, because of 21st century, all the all the stuff that goes around, um, a lot of ups and downs and, you know, economic, political issues, religious issues uh, caused a lot of uh, problem for families, the most vulnerable ones. Um, we don't even know what they're going through. So we are not at a point to judge them. But it also caused a lot of anger, um, a lot of people who are grieving over a lot of uh, valuable things in their life that they've lost. Mm -hmm. So for me as a human being, if I want to be somebody who wants to spread love, unity, peace, I can't just go away from these people. I want to know how may I be a help to make their life a bit easier because those who are angry and aggrieved, they are suffering, they are causing maximum pain to themselves, and they don't know it. And um, and that is because of some sort of a circumstance that happened in their life. Um, if I'm able to give them support, show them that there are true people, honest people who still live, who are trying to help them uh, to supersede all the... Um, trouble times, uh, anguishes, or everything that they had in their life, then I will try my best. But when I'm going to say I will avoid these kind of people, people and I feel like they're dangerous is when I try one time, two time, and three time. You know, I have this rule of three times. And still, these people don't want to change. They don't want to find meaning in their life, purpose and goal in their life, then I, how can I help them if they are not able to help themselves, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So that's the time I feel like I have to get away from them or ask for a better help. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, um, this, this, state, this statement is almost like kind of an unrealistic sanita sanitation of your life. You can't avoid being around people who are angry, but you can't avoid them having an influence in your life by limiting your contact with them. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Facebook. Like Facebook, if you're not aware of the issue or of the danger of it, then it's, it's very dangerous. If you're aware of it and you know that it has these addictive properties that, that like are intentionally... Like, they intentionally manipulate or exploit human nature so that their their goal is to get you on Facebook all the time and keep you on Facebook. If you're aware of that, then you can use Facebook but not be controlled by it. Kind mm -hmm. of the same thing. You can be around other people without letting them control your emotions is what I get from what you're saying. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you had one that stuck out to you. Let's hear it. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that you're taking this seriously, honey. I really appreciate it. (laughs) No, just pick one out. We'll talk about it. All right. Okay, here. Number 48. All right. Keep your identity small. I'm not the kind of person who does things like that. Is not an explanation. It's a trap. It prevents nerds from working out and men from dancing. Okay. Keep your identity small. What does that mean? That sounds like the opposite of what's, what it's trying to say. Keep your identity small or should it be keep your identity large? I like to always keep my identity small. What, is it, what does it mean to keep your identity small? It's like staying low profile. And I personally don't like to share anything about me, be it failure, be it achievements. I never. <laughs> Nobody knows. I don't keep pictures. It's for me, for myself. And I'm a self-motivated person. And during the times of um, turbulences in my life, I close my eyes and I remind myself that I am master of my own ship, captain of my own ship, sorry, master of my own life. And I revise everything that I have achieved. And like, if I did it, I will do it again. So that's my inner drive to move forward. Um, And... I apply this always in all my workplaces. And I think that's one of the reasons I, I feel I'm very successful dealing with people, my bosses, my subordinate co- colleagues. I And this notion that is written here, I am not the kind of a person who does things this and that. I would never use this phrase. Uh, I think you can approve of that. I never use that on you as well. That's, that's my personal life, yeah. I don't like to use my um, achievements to mark my places everywhere I go or to approve of my activities, approve of my professionality or anything else. No, uh, I believe if you're professional, your deeds, your actions, your performance will speak louder than you uh, advertising or promoting yourself. And if you don't, it doesn't mean you are a nerd or you're not, uh, you don't understand or you're not, you're insensitive, you don't know how to react or defend yourself. Unfortunately, everybody um, in this world, when they find the kind of a person with this character, they think, oh, they're stupid, I can, you know, use them, I can do whatever. No, that that's not true. Mm-hmm. People who don't talk much or they don't attack back, to those who are trying to, you know, take advantage of them, they are not stupid or they are not unaware. Mm-hmm. They know. They just don't want to waste their time. Yeah. I don't want to waste my time to actually prove anything. I will just draw another line and I will walk away yeah. from the line of the other people. <laughs> yeah, it's better to be convinced of something yourself rather than trying to prove it to someone else. Yeah. Convince someone else that you're right. It's better to just be right. Mm. And just be secure with, with what you believe is the truth. Mm-hmm. Rather than wasting your breath trying to convince someone else that it's the truth. Right. 
All right, here's one. Number 73. In relationships, look for somebody you can enjoy just hanging out near. (sighs) Ends a sentence with a preposition. This is awful. Long-term relationships are mostly spent just chilling. That's pretty good. Mm. That's that's pretty much what we just do when we're together. We just kind of hang out, right? Have breakfast together. Watch movies and TV together. It's just... Jambalaya. (laughs) Here's a good one. 74. Sometimes things last a long time because they're good, such as jambalaya. What are you laughing at? Because you said pretty much we do the same thing. We just eat breakfast, we watch movie, and I said we do jambalaya. (laughs) We do jambalaya. Which was and you start reading this next line, <laughs> and I it's thought, talking about jambalaya. I wasn't sure that what I was saying was really connecting with you, so I thought maybe you want to go to the next point. All right. <laughs> uh, number 88. Remember that many people suffer invisibly, and some of the worst suffering is shame. Not everyone can make their pain legible. Um, don't punish people for admitting they were wrong. You make it harder for them to improve. But sometimes you don't want them to want them to improve because it means that they'll become better than you. So, yeah, but it depends because you cannot use punishment as a reinforcement to any kind of people. You have to understand the psychology of person too, mm-hmm. and their learning curve. Um, so we have people who are improving their performance by a negative reinforcement, but. On the other hand, we have those who you give negative reinforcement and you completely cut them from the world and uh, they will give up. Hmm. So you have to be very careful. um, How are you going to uh, help others to improve, Mm -hmm. be it in their life relationship, studies, or whatever else? So for me, Mm -hmm. um, I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> which negative or positive or any kind of reinforcement works for my student. The very yeah. first day of class, I stand in front of the hall and I tell them, listen, you guys, if you're here thinking that you're going to get 100 out of 100 for your assessment, please leave my classroom. Mm-hmm. I want people who come here and say, I want to fail, Miss Sana, and I want you to tell me how in the future I'm going to use this mark on Mm -hmm. my transcript to improve my job, my relationship with my wife and husband, with my kids, my family. I make that deal with them. And I Mm -hmm. tell them, if you're ashamed of failing, if you're ashamed of uh, coming to class after your first assessment or any type of failure, then you're not my student Mm because my favorite students are those who fail because I am at ease and peace. Mm-hmm. And in future, if anything happens, they can stand on their own. And with their experience, they can solve their issue. But some students who just pass, pass, and they get always high mark. Mm-hmm. When they get one small failure in their life, they give up. They cry. They talk about suicide. Mm-hmm. They, um, I mean, it's a disaster. Right. So for me... Really, uh, you know, failure is one of the signs of great achievers in the future. I mean, look at uh, Bill Gates, look at uh, Mark Zuckerberg, sure. look at um, the Apple guy, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. 
Well, it depends on how Einstein. you if if you view failure as like, oh my goodness, the world has ended, then then you're not looking at it correctly. If you view it as right. a stepping stone to, you know, I, I, what did I mean? What did those people say? I told you they are they are just business people, but look at genius like Einstein. Right. Um, I mean, he he should have been you know dead. Mm-hmm. And buried himself underground after mm-hmm. what his teacher told him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, his, his the whole teacher, world is around him now. His teacher basically <laughs> said something like, uh, "You're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything." Yeah, I heard a story about the great American inventor Thomas Edison. And, right, uh, Thomas Edison is one of the good example. Well, his I, I don't remember if I I don't know if I have the story correctly, but. His teacher wrote a note to his mother saying that your son is no good. Or maybe he wrote it to him and his mother got it before Thomas did, saying you're never going to amount to anything. You're a dreamer. You're you're never paying any attention. If you don't get your act together, you're never going to amount to anything. And, mm-hmm. and either it was written to his mother or it was written to him and his mother got it before he did and she never showed it to him. Something something like that. I don't remember exactly the story, but I can give you another example. Yeah. I'm sure you heard of Helen Claire. Of course. Yeah, so nobody actually put her down. I mean, um she she was having health issues, problems, mm-hmm. right? Right. But what a great person she became at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean when my students whine and say, oh, I'm lazy, I don't have time, I have deficiency in learning, I have this. Uh, there's always there's excuse. I just pause and I look at everybody to the extent that the whole hundred people in the class, they just keep quiet and look at me. Why 10 minutes she's not talking and just staring at us? Because <laughs> I don't understand. And then I start laughing hysterically. You know, being a teacher is like you're an artist. Yeah. You have to impact their mind. And how you have to do it, I have to design it. And sometimes yeah. it's very difficult. And I do this stuff that make me sometimes come back to the office and just hold my head and like, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, it works. And then I talk about all these great people. Mm-hmm. Some of them who were not really genius, but they worked hard. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, we've been going for a while, honey. All right, let's do, how about two more, and then we'll call it. There was, oh, here's one. 95. Some types of sophistication won't make you enjoy the object more. They'll make you enjoy it less. For example, wine snobs don't enjoy wine twice as much as you. They're more keenly aware of how most wine isn't good enough. Avoid sophistication that diminishes your enjoyment. Uh, I can relate to this not... Um, being a wine snob, but a classical music aficionado. You mm-hmm. um, how is that? Well, when you um are very familiar with classical music and you perform it a lot, uh, you listen to something else and you're judging it. Not bec- you don't you can't really enjoy it as much as you're like, ah, that <laughs> that note was out of tune, or uh, you, like if I hear a trumpet player. You know, you just you just have a finely tuned ear, and you can hear something that's not um, like a hundred percent great. And you're just you you 
kind of focus on that. And you're like, oh, he, I can tell this person is tired. And it's a very subconscious thing, and it's not intentional. It's not like you're trying to be critical of the person, but to a certain degree, you can't really enjoy it just for what it is. Or you have to, I think you have to kind of force yourself to just ignore those little deficiencies or those little imperfections and just sit back and just enjoy the piece of music without thinking about, oh man, I can tell this guy's tired. (laughs) So like I just watched a YouTube of um, somebody playing a piece that I know really, really well. And I could just, I could, yeah, he's tired. (laughs) It's like probably the end of the concert and he's just saving everything. And I was focused more on the imperfections than I was just enjoying the piece of music. But at the same time, that awareness makes me appreciate, you know, what he's going through. Like I can tell he's obviously doing a two hour concert and it's towards the end. And I can appreciate that he's just, he's just doing what he has to do to, to get the job done. So I guess it's kind of a two edged sword for me. I can appreciate what he's going through, but I'm, I guess I'm just more aware of that that awareness of what he's going through. It just affects the perception and the ability to enjoy the experience versus someone who doesn't know the the nuances of playing trumpet. Hmm. All right. Well, do you have any words of wisdom for our audience? The two of them that have stuck through to the bitter end? Give us some words of, now we're at the 41 minute mark. Maybe now you can finally share something of value. Nothing. Wow. I can hear the clock ticking in the background. Well, it's 2nd of January. Uh-huh. And right now is quarter to 11. Okay. Um. 2019 quarter to 11 I was standing in the cold at Dinoibai airport for someone special it was the that's right it was January 2nd of 2020 that I arrived so it was one year ago that I arrived in Hanoi right not 19 2020 yeah I I don't know for some reason I feel like it's third year, three, three, always. It just comes, oh, well, when did you get married? 2019. <laughs> well, we're about to start our third year together. Because <laughs> yeah. we met in March of 2019. So mm-hmm. we're, we're closing in on our second year uh, as like an item. And then, of course, we got married um, in January of last year. So, um, So, yes, we're about to start our third year together which is exciting but we didn't get married in 2019 i'm sorry (laughs) huh is this not stimulating enough for you what are you talking about you know that's just like the the point of uh we're just chilling together that's what this podcast is about is just james and sauna just chilling out and that's why people like it what are you talking about (sighs) forget it you didn't, Focus, you, didn't, honey. you didn't listen to a word I said this whole podcast, did you? I did. Okay. Did you? What's one thing that I said? That's what I thought. 
here we are, just wasting our listeners' valuable time. <laughs> 44 minutes into it, and we have yet to share value with our listeners. What do we have to show for this time? <laughs> so here we are in 2021, mm-hmm. and I'm not at the airport, thank goodness. Yeah, you will be. Well, actually, you won't be at the airport, will you? Not, not this time. No. You'll be escorted by nice. a team of meds. <laughs> People wearing hazmat suits. <laughs> From the airplane. <laughs> From the airplane, right? Yeah. Are they going to put me in a hazmat suit? Uh, maybe. I don't know. And then they will take you with this um, big limousine to your hotel. Are they going to let me collect my bags? Or are they going to... Collect those they will and bring it for you. They're going to bring it for me. Wow. Yeah. And if you're going to resist, they're going to handcuff you. They're going to use teasers. <laughs> teasers? <laughs> <laughs> they're called tasers, baby. Tasers, not teasers. Yes, yeah, right. Tasers. <laughs> I don't know. After, after 44 hours in airplanes and airports, I think my resistance level is going to be minimal. If at all, I'm going to be like, whatever, (laughs) just get me to my hotel and get this two weeks quarantine over with so I can see my wife. And these two weeks, you can't even touch the doorknob. Really? Yeah. Wow. What can I touch? I'll be able to touch like... Inside the room, whatever. That's it? Yeah, there is a window. You can look at the road or something. I need to think of, uh, I'm going to make a list of things that I want to do during my two-week quarantine. Like I can get the app run it up and running. I need to get my chops in shape. There's just, I'll, I'll have nothing but time. So I, it, it's not like I, and I'll be able to, also, by the time I'm with you, I'll be caught up on sleep. So I don't have to, um, you know, it's one of those things, it is what it is. I just make the best of it, I guess. Just look for the the good, the positives out of. Maybe I should bring cinnamon and leave cinnamon with you. You have a company. I wouldn't mind that, but. But cinnamon needs to walk. She can't stay in the house. Yeah, I can't. I I need to walk too. I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. You will (laughs) do exercise in the. Some of those uh, the the rubber bands or the. um, I will bring it. Yeah, the stretch bands. I have some here. I'll bring it to the lobby, and they will put it behind your door, I guess. But I can't open the door. No. And they they're going to have their has they'll open it and they'll yeah. have hazmat suits. Yeah. <laughs> Those people take the covid seriously, don't they? That's why they don't have it. Especially when Americans come in. Dirty Americans. They, yeah. <laughs> Cuz they think you don't have water hose in your toilet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh let's do a call to action, honey. Honey, um <clears throat> we need to let our listeners know that we have a website. It's jamesandsana.com. And we don't have a whole lot at the moment, but we're going to be adding more. If people are interested in our um, experience applying for a visa, our experience is living apart, and then our experience is living together, it'll all be at jamesandsana.com. We also have a Facebook page. If you just look us up, James and Sana. I think it's just facebook.com slash James and Sana. That's how you can find us on Facebook. So we're posting a little bit more 
um, as time goes on. Check us out, jamesandsauna.com. And also, if you want to help out, it, this is uh, totally open-ended. If you don't want to assist us financially, then, of course, we don't, we don't mind at all. But if you want to help us out with some of the costs associated with traveling and applying for visas and paying lawyers and everything, we'd be, uh, we'd be very grateful. But if you don't want to, that's fine. Uh, we just hope that you enjoy our chill time hanging out because Sana and I, this, this is how things are when we're together, when we're not recording. It's just, this is just life for us. So, so as you can see, it's um, fraught with danger and emotional turbulence. <laughs> so we just enjoy each other's company and hope that you enjoy listening to us. So we oh, are... Oh, so- well, honey, what's behind you? Huh? What's behind you? Ah! <laughs> oh, there's been Gabriel. He's been sitting there the whole time. What do you have to say? Nothing. Any questions? It says nothing. Any questions? Yeah, you have a question for him. What's... I have a question for him? I have a question for him. Okay, Sana has a question for you. One, two, three. Pilot, sugar cube, can you hear me? Yes. Why did you decide to become a pilot? Because we've been buddy, because we've been calling us buddies for like a while. So you need something fresh, huh? <laughs> something different. Yes. What's wrong with buddy? Why? Do, why does it have to be sugar cube pilot astronaut whatever you call her? <laughs> I mean, I just want to do something different. We can call each other buddies whenever we want. Okay, so variety is the spice of life. Hey, my name is James Newcomb, and as you can hear, my wife and I like to have fun when we press record on these podcasts, and we bring this as a service to our clients and would-be, perhaps prospective clients of our company, Beaten Path Media, and we are working together to build this business, and we're just having a great time doing it, and if you are interested in learning more about Sana and myself and what we can offer if you're thinking about getting into the podcasting, the YouTubing, the digital media production game, then look us up and I'd love to talk and see if we can help bring you closer to your goals and bring you and your podcast, your YouTube, your digital media to the next level. Check us out on the web at beatenpath.media. That's spelled B-E-A-T-I-N, path dot media.